When someone gives you a call on your cell phone, you have a decision. You can either receive it or not. Pastor Ed Taylor says the same is true with God's call. The call of God, you see, there's cooperation in the call of God. He calls and convicts, and you respond. He calls and convicts, but you respond. In John chapter 6, verse 37, I'll read it to you. It says, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I'll know why he's cast out. See, there's God's call, there's man's response. The Father has to give you to Christ, but you have to come. In other words, the Father draws you, but as the Father draws you, you have to respond. You and I, we make that decision, and if you respond yes to the call, then you won't be cast out. You won't be thrown away. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for. It's time for Abounding Grace. Glad you could make it. We'll be in Romans chapter 8, looking at verses 29 and 30. Pastor Ed Taylor is zooming in on God's purposeful plan for each of us, which involves His calling to salvation. We learned last time about the internal call of God. If you'll recall, that's the sovereign, convicting, and convincing work of God in a person's heart. But there's an external call of God, too, that Pastor Ed wants to draw our attention to. Let's see what that's all about. The Holy Spirit's moving, convicting of sin, and then pointing you to Jesus, telling you, you know, Jesus is righteous. He's holy. He's good. There's nothing. You can have something against the church. You can have something against other Christians. You can have, some, you can have all the excuses in the world of why you won't believe. But when it comes to Jesus, you have no excuse. He's righteous. He's holy. He's just. He's good. And he loves you. And he sacrificed his life for you. Jesus demonstrated on the cross through his death and resurrection and his ascension that he was righteous. And the Holy Spirit bears witness every single day. You see, the Holy Spirit convinces the world that Jesus Christ lived the perfect life. Jot this one down. I'll read it to you in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. It says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Wow, that's the work of the Holy Spirit, convicting of sin, of righteousness, of judgment, because the ruler of this world, it says, has been judged. But we live in a world that, well, they've developed their own righteousness. Have you noticed? That's the world that you and I live in. There is a righteousness in the world that's not the righteousness of God. You know what it is? What do you think the righteousness of the world is? Self-righteousness, right. You guys got it. Self-righteousness. That's the righteousness of the world. You know, 30, 40 years ago, if you went into a bookstore, do you know a section you wouldn't have found in the bookstore? You would not have found a self-help section. Today, four or five rows of books and CDs and tapes on self-help. Okay, everybody, let's band together and let's help one another. Let's help ourselves because the power is within you to do your best and change your life. And so buy all these books and all these CDs and you can just self-help yourself all the way. Well, hey... If you're not born again, you can self-help your way all the way to an eternity apart from God. 30 years ago, there wasn't an emphasis on self-help, but rather an emphasis on God's help. 
30 years ago, the generation was looking to God for help, looking for God to strengthen 30, 40, 50, 100 years ago. But something happened. Men and women forsook God and said, you know, we can do our own thing. Philosophy and understanding and vain deceit. And now, you know, we're going to help ourselves. We're going to take things on ourselves and we don't really need God's help. We're going to do it ourselves. And man is on the throne. I mean, if you don't believe this, try this out this week, okay? Go back to work or tonight or tomorrow, go to school, and just talk to someone about the love of God. Just tell them, hey, I was in church, and my pastor was talking about love and God, and and he was talking about sin, too. Did you know that you have sin in your life? Did you know you have a need for a Savior? Did you know Jesus Christ I mean, just lay it out for them. And I guarantee you they're going to say something like this if they hold to a self-righteousness. You ready? They're going to say, what are you talking to me for? I'm a good person. You should be talking to Joe, man. That's a bad person. (laughs) Not me. Why? Why would they be able to say that with such confidence, except that they've set up their own righteousness, and they probably live up to it? I mean, if someone says they're a good person, most likely you won't be able to argue with them. I mean, they do good things. They're good people. That's not a problem. But are they good enough in the eyes of God to receive salvation. See, because the righteousness that God requires is what? The righteousness that God provides. Because the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And as good as you might be today, this righteousness that you've set up of your own standard, you're not going to be good enough to enter into the kingdom of God. You're living up to your own righteous standard, your own self-righteousness. Jot this one down. Romans chapter 10 speaks of a group of people being ignorant of the righteousness of God. And it's true. We live in a society that's very self-centered. These are the fruits of all the, you know, we're living in a society that are bearing the fruits of all the previous generations. And so what we have is a generation of selfish people. We have a generation of self-centered people. We have a generation that is only concerned about me, myself, and I. We have a generation that is very hesitant to help one another, a generation that, not, not entirely, but for the most part, a generation that is completely devoid of God in their thinking. And it's so sad on the one hand, but it's so wonderful on the other hand, as God has sent us as ambassadors to share God's love with them, to invade this world. And so the Holy Spirit does use you, doesn't he? through his word, to show a person their need of righteousness of God. You know, you go to Romans, right? You'll take them through the Romans road. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin are death. The gift of God is eternal life. If you will believe in your heart and confess in your mouth that Jesus Christ lived, he died, he rose again, you shall be saved. You walk him through that. And God does use his word to convict and convince, but you and I do not convict and do not convince people. It's a work of God. It's his work. The internal call is the call of God through his spirit. Flip over to John chapter 6. Let me show you as we close up on the internal call here. As God is drawing a people to himself, it says in John chapter 6, I'll draw your attention to verse 65. Oh, let's go up to verse 60. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying, who can understand it? And when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured about this, he said to them, does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. And the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. 
For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, therefore, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. That's the internal call, God's calling. Now combined with the internal call, we then come to the external call. You know what we call external call today? You know what we have a name for that? It's called evangelism. That you and I have the privilege of telling other people about Jesus Christ. That's the external call through the mouths of the men and women that he has saved. We get to tell people, like, like Mark wrote in Mark chapter 16, go into all the world and preach the gospel. We get to do that. That's the external call of God. The proclamation of the good news. Somebody told you about Jesus, didn't they? And now you get the privilege of telling someone else about him and it moves on and on and on as God is drawing people to himself internally. He's sending people to them externally and it's wonderful. What a privilege it is to tell somebody that God has sent his only begotten son to reconcile them and bring them back. And although salvation happens with God's initiative and God's power, you'll read throughout the scriptures and what you'll find is that never, ever, never has salvation ever occurred apart from faith. There's God's part of the drawing and there's man's part of believing. Always work together. Salvation doesn't happen apart from a personal, conscious, willful repentance from sin and an acceptance of Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches that unless the Lord draws you, you cannot come to know Jesus Christ personally. You've heard of him. You've heard the gospel. You have received the gospel. You know, you just can't decide anytime you want to be saved. You just can't wake up one morning, I gotta be saved today. God needs to draw you. You know, that means that when God's call comes to your life, if I was you... I'd respond. I wouldn't just think, well, I'll do it next week. You know, I'll take care of that. It's great, great. I, I, I mean, I did my time. I listened to the message. But, you know, I, you know not, that's not for me. I, I got too many things going on right now. I don't want, I, I want Jesus to cramp my style. You know, I, I got some things I got to take care of. I got some things to clean up. Because when he calls, if I was you, I'd respond. Because if you don't, you may not have another chance. You may not have another chance. Who's to say that the Lord will knock on your door again? Who's to say that he's going to give you a second chance? I, I hear this all the time as I'm sh sharing and talking with people, especially those that are very resistant to the things of God. You know, what will happen is they don't want to surrender their life. They don't want to be saved, but they want to use the Bible. And so you're talking to them and you go, you know, you better make a decision today. I mean, you don't know if you're going to live tomorrow. And they'll come up with, well, doesn't the Bible say that, that God's patient, really patient with people? And, and isn't there a verse that says that God's really patient and in his patience there's salvation. And so he's probably patient with me and I can get saved anytime I want. And I always answer, what are you using the Bible verses for? You don't even care about the Bible. And it's true. That might be you. You might use the Bible to your own advantage. You might pick and choose a few verses and you've set it all up so that you're very comfortable where you're at right now, but you're actually not using the Bible to your own advantage. You're using the Bible to your own destruction because the Bible calls all of us, all of those of you that don't know him, to rise up and repent of your sin. And that word is so important to turn from sin. The call of God, you see, there's cooperation in the call of God. He calls and convicts, and you respond. He calls and convicts, but you respond. 
In John chapter 6, verse 37, I'll read it to you. It says, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I'll know why he's cast out. See, there's God's call, there's man's response. The Father has to give you to Christ, but you have to come. In other words, the Father draws you, but as the Father draws you, you have to respond. You, you and I, we make that decision, and if you respond yes to the call, then you won't be cast out. You won't be thrown away. Which really speaks to us as we wind down the encouragement of security in Jesus Christ. The safest and most secure place to be on the planet Earth today is to be in Jesus Christ, to live in him, to abide in him. You know, because we all have bad weeks. Amen? few of you. Bad days? A few more of you. Bad anything? Are you sure? You don't sound very sure. We all have bad days. We all have bad weeks. And if we're not careful, the bad days and bad weeks will affect the way we view God. So you wake up one morning and go, oh, I mean, have you ever woke up one morning and you're bummed out? You haven't got out of bed yet. I mean, nothing even happened to you yet. But you're miserable. And we know in about a half hour, everyone around you is going to be miserable too. Because <laughs> you've got to get up and go interact with people, right? And it's just a bad day. And then the enemy takes that. Satan, the, the enemy of your soul, starts taking that shooting little arrows at you. And, and, and then you start to think, man, I mean, I had such a knucklehead. I had such a horrible week. I have such a horrible day. My mind isn't where I want it to be. I'm, I'm not as clear. Maybe I'm not saved. Really? You had that bad of a week? Maybe you're not saved? I mean, where's your safety and your security? Because if God has called you and you've responded, well, since you're in John still, flip over to John chapter 10. So we wind down today. I mean, you can find great safety in the Lord because he's called you. He's initiated with you. I mean, I know you're bummed out, but to the extent that you think God is just going to throw you away? Oh, no, Ed's got a bad day today. I'm going to leave him alone. Everyone else is saying that, but not Jesus. He's like, man, he needs more of me today. I want to surround him today. I'm going to put people in his life that will encourage him and love him because, you know, Jesus promised never to leave you or forsake you. And that promise rests on who God is, the one that foreknew you, the one that has predestined you, the one that has called you. In John chapter 10, look at verse 28. Jesus is speaking here and he says, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. To be secure in Him. You know what makes me saved is that God has called me, and I've responded. That's what makes me saved. He has saved me. I don't save myself. He's done that work. And you know you were secure in him because God foreknew you. He predestined you. He called you to himself. According to Ephesians chapter 1, he sealed you. He's given you the Holy Spirit as the guarantee of your salvation. I mean, that's so cool. And so you, then you ask the question, okay, if the call of God goes out, why isn't everyone saved? I mean, if this call goes out and the conviction of the Holy Spirit goes, you know, because the Bible does say, that God isn't willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So does everybody get, get saved just because God isn't willing that anyone perish? No. Those that believe are saved. Those that don't believe are lost. Let me show you. Flip over to John chapter 8, verse 24. 
John has much to say about salvation. That's why when uh, somebody asks about what Bible books, you know, should I read when I get a Bible, if they're not saved, we give them to John. Because John was written so you might believe. And if you're la- lacking faith and, and you're wrestling with things, you go back to John because it'll build your faith up. Look at John chapter 8, verse 24. It says, Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. It's belief. So God, the gospel goes out. Salvation is made available to all, but not all believe. Not all repent. Flip over back to now John chapter 3. Look at verse 36. A few pages over to the left. Belief is the hinge. It's the hinge your life turns on. The internal call of God is happening right now and nobody knows it but you. You're the one wrestling internally. You're the one processing everything that you hear right now. You're the one that's evaluating this whole area. Do I really believe in God? And then couple that with the external call of evangelism that's going on from the pulpit right now. As the good news of God comes to your life that says, look, I know you're separated. It's very, very clear. But God has made a way of escape for you. That if you will call upon his name, you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, your sins will be forgiven and you will be born again. Because Jesus himself said, unless a man is born again, he will not see the kingdom of God. Young and old, the word goes out. The internal call, the external call. But in John chapter 3, it says, he who believes in the Son, this is verse 36, has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abides on him. It all hinges on Are you willing? Are you willing? Jesus says to us today that an unbeliever avoids dying in his or her sins by believing in and trusting in and relying upon Jesus Christ, recognizing sin and turning from it, repenting and turning to God and receiving the free gift of salvation. That's what he says to us. But are you willing? Oh, how my heart would break as Jesus' heart broke over Jerusalem. So many hearts are just not willing. So many hearts are just like, no, I'm resistant to that. I'm not taking that next step. I'm not surrendering that area. I'm not going to stand. I'm not going to walk to the... I'm not going to. And it's all coming from unwillingness. Let me show you what it looks like in the heart of Jesus when he meets unwillingness. Let's close now with Matthew chapter 23. Would you turn there, verse 37? Don't be unwilling today, guys. Okay, so unbelievers, don't turn me off either because there are times where God is drawing you and ministering to you and teaching you where you can be unwilling too. You know, you can just make that one decision. No, I'm not going to do it. And then your heart gets a little hard. And then another thing happens and your heart gets a little bit harder and a little bit harder and a little bit harder. Have you ever wondered, I know I have at times, where you see these Christians have been walking with the Lord for a long time. You see them, they're, they're pastors of large churches. You just see and you go, you, you hear on the news or you hear through the grapevine, somebody fell into sin again. Someone made a bad decision and tore the church up because they made this decision or that decision. You go, how did that happen? Did it just happen one Monday morning? You woke up and I think I'll destroy the church and my life and everyone around me. No. You know how it happens? One little decision. Way back, you can trace it. Just a little bit of hardness, a little bit of compromise. And then it gets harder. And then another decision gets harder. And another decision gets, before you know it, they're not even hearing from the Lord anymore. And they're ripe. And I say they, and it's also to us. We become ripe for the temptations that come our way. That come all the time. 
constantly. My request to you today, churches, my request to you today, those of you that wouldn't be considered believers, I mean, in a few moments, you're going to have an opportunity to surrender. But here's my heart to you. Don't be unwilling. Jesus, it says in verse 37, he looks over Jerusalem and he says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who sent to her, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. And you can just mark these last words. And you could just circle them and say, may this not be me. He says, how often I wanted to gather together like a hen gathers his chicks, but you were not willing. Please be willing today. Yield yourself today. Recognize the internal call of God, the conviction of sin. Recognize and hear the external call of the gospel, evangelism, and respond and find out what a wonderful plan of salvation God does have for you. That you're not here by accident. You weren't just invited just on a whim. The person that's been talking to you, I know it might be frustrating to you to hear about God all the time, but they love you. That's why they're telling you. They love you enough to tell you the truth. They love you enough to say, you know what, son, you're walking, you can't live this way. You know, daughter, you shouldn't be doing it. You know, boss, you know, coworker, you know, fellow student, you know, I mean, you go on and on that list. And you're like, hey, I understand what it's like to be born again. And boy, what a blessing that would be in your life. If you were born again, everything would change in your life. Please be willing. Receive the Lord Jesus Christ today. Thanks for joining us for Abounding Grace. Well, there you have God's call to salvation. And as Pastor Ed Taylor mentioned, each of us must choose to believe and respond. Pastor Ed, maybe there's someone listening right now that would like to respond through faith in Jesus Christ. Would you lead them in a prayer to do that? I would love to do that. For you listening right now that have a sense that you not only have received that internal call of conviction of sin, but now you're responding to the external call to believe, like the Bible says, and we'll learn later on in our study here on Abounding Grace in Romans, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Uh, And so I have the privilege of inviting you to follow Jesus, to repent of your sins, and to surrender your life in obedience and submission to God. How are you able to do that? Because God has brought conviction of sin in your life, and now you hear the invitation that the Word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that word of faith, confessing with your mouth. So pray to God with me uh, so that you might obey this passage. God, I admit that I've sinned against you, and I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I believe you sent Jesus Christ to live for me, to die for me, and I believe Jesus rose again from the dead to forgive me of my sins. And I'm asking you today, God, to help me turn away from my sinful past and to turn my life toward you. And I want to follow you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, you go to our website, calvaryco.church, calvaryco.church. There's a tab that says how to know God. Click that tab and download those resources and let us know that you have received Jesus. You can do that at calvaryco.church, or you can do it at aboundinggraceradio.com. Either one 
We'd love to hear from you. Congratulations on this newfound journey following Jesus Christ, being born again of the Spirit and not of human effort. Friend, if you just prayed along with Pastor Ed, we would love to hear about that. Please share the exciting news with us by email when you visit our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Then click Contact. That's also the place to turn if you'd like to hear today's message again. We're at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Here in the month of April, we picked out an excellent book written by Chuck Smith called Faith. As the title would suggest, this book is all about faith and the key to a successful Christian life. Pastor Chuck explains how faith takes you by the hand and walks you from one level of maturity to another. Using examples from the Bible and illustrations he's gleaned from the ministry, Pastor Chuck lays out a strong case for faith. We'll send you a copy with our thanks for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Just call us at 877-30-GRACE and ask for faith. Don't miss our next study in Romans here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. May God richly bless you with His abounding grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora. 